Hello, really excited to start this series um, on marriage. And uh, as we get started with this, I do want to let you know that uh, we have started a little grouping register too. If you simply would text the word marriage to 318-299-5818, you'll be registered for this group. And throughout the week, we'll send out resources on marriage. And when we gather for um, our class uh, on Sundays, we will uh, do some um, giveaways as well if you register for the class. So um takes time to do that. Just text marriage to 318-299-5818 to do that. So we're starting uh, this series on marriage, and it's called From Surviving, which is where you're just kind of limping through life, just making it, holding on to thriving in our marriage. And um, my hope and my heart is that as we walk through this series, that we will learn to not just survive in a marriage or just be um, roommates in a marriage, but to being real partners and friends and co-heirs together in our marriages. And so we're going to look at all kinds of topics uh, throughout this. We're going to look at how do we communicate, how do we maintain intimacy, how do we build a friendship, how do we show mercy in our marriage. But today um, we're going to focus on on having hope in our marriage. And even more specific, how do we go from being hopeless in marriage to hopeful? I will never forget um, talking to people who have walked through real difficulty um, in marriage. And, And there's something that flips when, when the hope is gone where there's this sense of defeat, there's this sense of, of real despair in people. But there's this little verse in the book of Romans that I read this past week. And the Apostle Paul, in this prayer for this church, for these people in Rome, he says this, and this is my really my hope and my prayer for our marriages today and throughout this series. Romans fifteen thirteen, he says here, now may the God of hope, so that's just beautiful, the God of hope, fill you with all joy and peace as you believe so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. My prayer, my hope is for every person in this series to be full of hope. I know some people are walking in their marriages and they're walking with a limp through either their own sin or the sin of their spouse or something in the past or something that's happened in their marriage. There's been a big drift and they're they're limping around. And I pray this, that you may overflow with hope. Maybe you're not in crisis today, but you are stagnant. Like you're just kind of in a rut in your marriage. I want you to be full of hope today. Or maybe you have already blown it and your marriage is on its last breath. I pray that today you will be full of hope, that you may overflow with hope. But this hope, to be hopeful, (laughs) means we have to walk as wise and not as unwise. To go from hopeless to hopeful, we have to know what destroys our hope, what saps our hope in our life, in our marriage. And we're going to talk about three 
uh, Hope Killers today. Um, it's a great title. Hope, I think it's like a scary movie, The Hope Killers. So, so the first hope killer in our marriage is this right here. It's having the wrong hope. It's having the wrong hope in our marriage. or the, I'm, I'm sorry, the wrong focus in our marriage. When our focus is off in our marriages, we are in trouble. And, and there's a few ways we have a wrong focus. The first wrong focus is when we focus on our kids. It's just so easy to do once you have children and they become a part of your life and that there's lots of needs and there's all these things. It's so easy to focus on your kids over your spouse, to rearrange that priority list. But in the Bible, in different texts on marriage and parenting, you always see a clear order, a clear priority in the relationships where the marriage relationship is always in priority over the parental relationship. Listen, we love our kids, and we should love our kids. They're a gift from God, and we're called to mold them, disciple them, and point them to Jesus. But hear this. The best thing to give your kids is a picture of the gospel through your love for each other. More than doing everything they want to do and meeting all the needs, if you can give them a picture of real gospel love and sacrifice and serving and mercy and joy, it's one of the greatest gifts you can give your children. And see, this wrong focus, it leads to a couple things that really get us out of whack. The first thing, when we focus on our kids over our spouse, we tend to have an overly busy life. Because kids have so many needs and so many wants. If our kids are in a too high position in our life and our focus in our hearts, they're going to take us away uh, for many things that keep us really, really busy as a family. I know for many of us, this is our story, right? We, we have, so many times in my own life, I have not said no to my kids, and then my life is full of things that I'm not sure God has called us to. So when that's out of focus, we tend to be too busy. Second thing, it leads to resentment in our marriages. I mean, this is just natural. Um, whenever the spouse is made less than the children, the spouse is going to resent that situation. So that wrong focus there can have some pretty bad consequences. But our second wrong focus is a focus on our spouse. And what I mean by that is we focus on their sins, their problems, their quirks, their frustrations, and not on ourselves. We focus on what they are not providing us. Like, when I got married, I thought I was going to have a person to do this and who did that and who did this and who did that. And when they're not providing those things, because our focus is on them to provide too much, or we focus on their growth. Man, if they would just learn to do this, if they would just figure this one thing out, then our marriage would be better. This Focus on our spouse and not on ourselves is a huge problem. And here's, as I have walked with couples in our church, even my own life, and this is a problem for me, one of our biggest issues in our marriages is that we are codependent. That we're codependent. That our focus is so much on our spouse, on making either them happy too much or relying on them too much or being frustrated too much, here's a sign you're codependent. When your spouse is upset, you ask them a thousand times what's wrong. 
which is what I always do, by the way. And so it's, a, it's an overly focus on your spouse and not on yourselves. I think this step of breaking away of codependency is one of the hardest steps for couples to take. Uh, of how do we love and serve our spouse but not be codependent on our spouse. So that first hope killer is that we, we have a wrong focus. But our, our second hope killer is when we ignore the past. When we ignore the past. Because hear this, friends. Uh, the past will always inform the present. We tend to think the past just goes away and we move on. But we wear the past on us through our hurts, through our patterns, through our traumas. And those things always come out. And there's two kinds of past that we tend to ignore that damage our marriages. First, we ignore the recent past. This is the recent past. This is the things that maybe your spouse has done to you that has hurt you. And here's the key. And what tends to happen a lot with these kind of recent past things that we ignore is that there is some kind of sinful act by your spouse against the other spouse. And then there is forgiveness on some level where we say, I forgive you, I love you. There's probably forgiveness, but many times there's not healing. We don't count the cost of what that sin and betrayal and hurt did to our spouse. So our spouse is not healed. And when there's not healing, here's what's also missing, there's not trust. So yes, we might have said we forgive them, and in our heart we might actually forgive them, but we haven't healed, and we're not trusting. I'll never forget, I was counseling a couple, this is probably a year or two ago, and the spouse had been unfaithful in the past year or so. And the other spouse just simply did not trust them. And the, the, the spouse who had committed the act could not understand, well, why don't you, you forgave me, why don't you trust me? It's because if we don't deal with the past, if we don't, if we don't become healed from the past and the hurts that our spouse has done to us, there's never going to be trust. And friends, when there's not trust, there is no hope. Because a marriage is built on trust. If you can't trust your spouse, you're on a path of destruction. So we can't ignore the recent past. But we also can't ignore the distant past. Listen, we were all brought up um, in different uh, families of origin, different homes, different parents. And there's two things. Listen, I think for the, I will just be positive. For the most part, our parents many times have blessed, have loved, have taught, and we have good, and we should celebrate those good memories. But in every family, there are two things passed on that aren't great. One is sinful patterns, and second is hurtful traumas. This is what we see all throughout Scripture, isn't it? Where you see like the sins of the father have a legacy of sins in the family. And um, I was thinking about even in my own life. Um, my father, you know, my parents divorced at the age of uh, 13 and my father uh, walked away uh, from my mother. And then I look back at my my father's life and his parents abandoned him and those patterns those traumas if they're not dealt with if they're not healed from if they're not you have to be discipled out of your sinful patterns and your hurtful traumas they'll always come out and you'll act out 
I mean, this has been true in my own life. Uh, you know, growing up, uh, my father, one thing he loved was his chair. I go to his house today, I'll probably find him in his chair. That pattern of me seeing a father for 20 years of my life, what a father does is sits in his chair and relaxes. When I default to, um, I guess, my toughest state or when I'm in a bad place, um, I always end up back in my chair because that pattern has been passed down and in a sense ingrained in me. And if, and if we don't deal with that distant past in our life, and we're going to speak more on this on this next week in the series, but if we don't deal with the past, it's always going to inform the present. So when we combine this wrong focus and this ignoring the past, this, this always leads to where many couples end up in our last hope killer, giving up. They just give up. Um, they're just worn down. And they just give up. And we tend to give up for two reasons. First is we listen to the wrong voices. We listen to the wrong voices. See, there's really three enemies in our spiritual life. The first is the devil, right? The actual devil. Um, And what the devil does is he um, tells us lies. And our marriage says that the grass is greener over there. Uh, the, The second enemy is our flesh. It's our base animal instincts and cravings where we just say, this is what I want. I want to be free. I want to be served. I want to consume this real selfish part of ourselves. And third is the world. And the world confirms the lies of the enemies and says yes to our worst instincts in our flesh. And we have all three of these coming at us. The lies of the enemy, our own flesh wanting to consume and be served, and the world confirming all those things. It's the friend saying, well, you deserve better than that. It's the friend saying this or that or or this social media post or or this blog or this thing. You can find some ways to justify just giving up. So so we give up for two reasons. First is wrong voices. Second is wrong goals. Is that we want our marriage, we want happiness, not holiness, right? We just want to be happy. We just want to be left alone. We want we want ease and not comfort. We want ease and comfort. We want to hear this. We want to receive. We don't want to give. Uh, John Mark Comer says this about love. How he defines love. It's a compassionate commitment to delight in the soul of another, and to will that person's good ahead of your own, no matter the cost to yourself. See, love is the desire not to take, but to give. So if our goal in our marriage is simply to be served and to quote-unquote be happy, that goal is always going to leave us unfulfilled and make us just want to give up because something's entirely wrong. So if those are the the wrong voices and, and the wrong goals, what does Jesus say about marriage that informs how we do this? Let's look at Matthew 19. Matthew 19, verse 1 says this. When Jesus had finished saying these things, he departed from Galilee and went to the region of Judea across the Jordan. Large crowds followed him, and he healed them there. Then some Pharisees approached him and tested him. They asked him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife on any grounds? Haven't you read, he replied, that he who created them in the beginning made them male and female? And he also said, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they don't no longer two, but one flesh. You see this 
unity that God is giving us here, Jesus is giving us here. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Well, why, they asked, did Moses command us to give divorce papers and to send her away? He told them, well, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because of the hardness of your hearts. But it was not like that from the beginning. I tell you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. So what Jesus is saying, this is a context where men, when they are unhappy with their wife, they just walk away and become this tradition in this culture where like, if it wasn't going well, you just walked away. And Jesus is saying, no, that's the wrong voice you're listening to. That's, that's the wrong goals. What I have made one, Man cannot split apart. And listen to this in verse 10. From his disciples, not from his Pharisees, his disciples say this. If the relationship of a man with his wife is like this, it's better not to marry. There was this sense that if marriage was really about holiness and about a covenant and not a contract. See, a contract says if you mess up, I'm out. A covenant says, I'm one. We're one. And I'm not going anywhere. And here's the truth. It's only in the safety of covenant that we really grow. Where we're truly known, truly loved, truly accepted, can we truly grow. And God has designed our marriages, and this is the hope, one of the greatest hopes in our marriages, is to be this covenant and not a contract. But listen to the voices of the world, which say, contract, contract, contract. If they mess up, you're done. It's going to destroy the hope in our marriages. So if these are what destroys, these are the hope killers, what are the, what restores hope? We have three hope restores. The first hope restores this right here. We must look to Christ. I know this is kind of like one-on-one in a church, but this is so true. Paul says this in the book of Colossians, verse, verse, uh, chapter 3. Verse 1, he says, So if you've been raised with Christ, if you are a follower of Christ, have been reborn by His Spirit, he says this, Seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on earthly things. Look to Christ to provide what you need. Look to Christ to provide what you need not to your spouse. Look to Christ, not your spouse. Here's what I've seen when I've counseled couples. The couples that really make it and tend to thrive, and the people that really grow in this are the ones that say this right here. Listen, I know my marriage is on shaky ground right now, but I'm going to pursue Christ whether my spouse leaves or my spouse stays because my ultimate hope is in Him and not in my marriage. If we both have that posture, I promise this, your marriage will thrive. Your marriage will grow. Your marriage will bring joy. Here's here's the truth, friends. We reap what we sow. Either we're gonna we're gonna reap, or we're gonna sow to the spirit, or we're gonna sow to the flesh, in our life and our marriages. If we're wanting to be served, we're sowing to the flesh. If we want to look to Christ, we're sowing to the spirit. It really is as simple as that. To restore hope in our marriage, we have to first look to Christ. Above everything, we must seek his kingdom first. And then all these things we added unto you. So first restores, we look to Christ. The second is, we look to start a new legacy. 
if one of the hope killers is to ignore the past, the second hope restorer is to acknowledge the past, but then also that we want to start a new legacy. Uh, Joshua 24, this is the Hobby Lobby verse, right? Where uh, Joshua says this, Therefore, talking to the people of Israel, fear the Lord, worship him in sincerity and truth. Get rid of the gods of your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt, and worship the Lord. But if it does not please you to worship the Lord, choose for yourself today. Which will you worship? The gods of your ancestors? They worship beyond the Euphrates? Or the gods of the Amorite, whose land you are living now? Well, as for me and my family, we will worship the Lord. I, I just picture Joshua putting a stake in the ground right here. Just putting the saying, we are going to worship the Lord. We are going to start a new legacy for our family. We're going to ignore these past patterns. We're going to deal with these past things. And we're going to start a new legacy. Here's my encouragement for many of us today. To break the generational curses. To break the generational curse. I will tell you, this is one of me and Tracy's greatest goal in our marriage. To look at the past in, in our life, in our, our families of origin, and to move forward and to begin this new legacy that is centered on Christ and his gospel. Start today. Start today. Friends, in this past year, I, I will tell you, there's been multiple marriages where I have seen them deal with the past and almost put this stake in the ground saying, we are starting a new legacy. And listen, God heals things. God restores things. God does a new work, friends. Hear this. He does. But don't start tomorrow or next week. Start today. So we look to Christ. We start a new legacy. And finally, we fight. We fight. Paul, in 1 Timothy, he's talking to his younger disciple, person he's mentoring, Timothy, in the faith. He says this right here. Fight the good fight of the faith. Friends, we talk about the three enemies of, of the devil, your flesh, and the world. We can't dance with those enemies. We have to fight those enemies. In our marriages, friends, hear this. Expect hardships. Expect frustration. Expect tension. Here's why. Because two sinners said, I do. And so when there's two sinners that are growing, there's going to be things that are hard. But we we got to resolve ourselves not to quit or to give up. we got to resolve ourselves to fight. To fight for holiness and not just happiness. Friends, we have to fight. So as we uh, wrap up today, and I hope that through this time today we have we have seen uh, the things that really destroy our hope. These things of having a wrong focus, of just ignoring the past, not dealing with the past, and then simply giving up. But, but then I hope we see how we can cultivate hope in life in our marriage through looking to Christ, resolving to start a new legacy, and simply fighting for holiness and a new legacy in our marriage. So, so to wrap this up, to, to narrow the focus even more today, I want to encourage you, ask you to do two things this week to, to sow seeds of hope in your marriage. The first, 
that verse, Romans 15, 13, about, about hope, about God being a God of hope and having us being full of hope. As, as a couple, memorize Romans 15, 13 together. Set your minds on this, on things above together. Set your mind on the God of hope together. Memorize as a couple Romans 15, 13 this week. Second, and this is kind of a, a bigger, maybe a harder step to take. I would encourage you to reach out to me. To not be fearful of this, but to reach out to, to meet with me. Because one of the greatest hopes, one of the greatest joys for me as one of your pastors is to simply be able to encourage you in your marriage. Now, you don't have to be at, at rock bottom in your marriage to reach out to someone for encouragement and counsel. No matter where you're at today, I would encourage you to reach out and let someone come alongside you, uh, encourage, provide some counsel, maybe some next steps. I know this step could be um, embarrassing, um, but we're told in the book of Proverbs that there's, there's wisdom in many voices. And so, um, of course, you'll be willing to do whatever you might need, but I would encourage you, please um, reach out. Friends, hear this. Uh, don't live hopeless. Don't live hopeless. God sees you. God knows you. God loves you. God is pursuing you. If you're hearing this right now, God is pursuing you. God wants you to be full of his hope. Let me pray for us.